Welcome to the Everletic Bites Expert Chats Podcast, where we get professional insights from thought leaders in marketing and business communication so you can amplify your campaigns. We are so excited to have Lee Crimble from Breadcrumbs Linguistics back with us today. Breadcrumbs Linguistics is an award-winning behavioral communications firm that uses behavioral linguistics to create marketing and communication that nudges action. Lee is the head behavioral linguist at Breadcrumbs Linguistics, voted the top global behavioral communications firm in 2021. She is currently completing a PhD in behavioral science and is developing a new communications framework to nudge consumer decision-making in the health, retail, and financial services space. Welcome back. Thanks so much. A couple of months ago, we chatted about the exciting topic of creating content that nudges action, built around the science of behavioral linguistics. But for our listeners who haven't yet listened to that podcast, let's give them a brief introduction. Can you explain how you would define behavioral linguistics in marketers' terms? Super. So essentially, it's looking at how do we use language and how do we use communication to affect some sort of behavioral change or nudge some type of action. So in our day-to-day lives, we are faced with so many decision touch points, and these come through so many more communication platforms and channels than ever before. And so ultimately, we have to, as communicators, and, and this means as marketers, ourselves in our own personal lives, in our professional contexts, we need to be able to craft communication that stands out from the crowd, that, that's going to get somebody to engage with it, and then encourage them to act in some sort of way. And so, so what we do is we overlay the behavioral sciences world, which is just such an exciting and, and very, very interesting space to be in, where we consider things like behavioral biases that shape the ways in which we make decisions. And we overlay that with cognitive psychology and we look at sociolinguistics. So how does language in a societal format uh, shape and nudge us into some type of action. Mm, Super interesting. I love it. And we recently launched a collaborative report that highlighted the top 50 sales orientated emails sent from South African retailers through the Everlay platform in 2021, looking at 197 retail brands. Let's unpack some of the insights from the report for our audience today. First things first, why are businesses increasingly relying on behavioral linguistics in retail marketing specifically? So if you think about it, we are always trying to sell something. So whether we are in a retail environment or not, we are trying to persuade someone to do something through a communication touch point. That might be to buy into our ideology or our worldview. It may be to become brand advocates or ambassadors for what we're trying to promote. Uh, But certainly within the retail marketing space, we are brands trying to sell a product or a service. And so to the point earlier that there are so many decisions that consumers are needing to make and there's so many different types of communication that they're engaging with on a day-to-day basis, you need to stand out as a retail marketer. And and there's certainly a lot of trends that we picked up as part of this this research analysis that there are certain things that you can do, the ways you can shape your language, uh, the attention you can pay to things like visual language that then help you to certainly be far more competitive in the space where you are. Mm. You're competing against other industries for a consumer's attention. And, And I like to say to my clients, 
if you are a, a, a grocer, you're not just competing against other grocers. You're competing against insurers because mm-hmm. any email communication in the space that lands up in an inbox is, is that competition. Absolutely. And how did you come to these powerful insights on retail marketing in our latest report? So we at Breadcrumbs Linguistics really love our collaborative efforts uh, in this research space with Evolytic because of the depth of data that, that we're able to, to analyze through this. Uh, a great part of behavioral linguistics is looking at sort of quantifiable data at the same time as then looking at some of the more qualitative elements. And so for this particular project, we embarked on quite an ambitious 2.4 billion bulk emails <laughs> that was sent in 2021 using the Evolytic platform. And these emails were sent from just under 200 retail brands that form part of the Evolytic client database. So then from those 2.4 billion emails, we were looking for the top 50. And, mm. and when we say top 50, we're looking at which were the most successful emails based on open rates, uh, click through rates. When we talk open rates, we're talking about it lands in your inbox and you actually choose to click it and open it. When we talk click through rates, uh, that's a, that's an additional level of engagement where someone's actually clicked through on either a hyperlink of text or there's been some type of button or perhaps a banner click through and someone's gone further with the email communication to actually go through with some type of action. And so based on now we have these top 50, we then run various corpus linguistics methodologies so that we're able to scrape as much data as possible and and look for some language trends. Mm -hmm. What are the most frequently used words? How do these words work together with other words and sentences? Uh, We then take a bit of a deep dive with the visual language elements, what sort of brand colors are coming through. Uh, there's, there's amazing font psychology elements that we look at. And then we come up with a bit of a sort of insights piece on what are the top trends that come through from these most successful emails. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that a lot of retailers can learn some, some valuable insights from it. What would you say are the five key behavioral themes that emerged from your analysis? So that was one of the first things that we started to notice, that there were these five key themes or or trends. And certainly from the behavioral world, when we're looking at behavioral sciences, we are looking at these very innate levers that push or pull people into making a decision or feeling a certain way about a brand or following through with some type of call to action. And the top five that came through in the retail space were linked to scarcity, exclusivity, incentives, loss aversion and convenience. Some of those might be very familiar to, to your listeners. Certainly scarcity speaks to when something is scarce. So it's limited edition or there's just few of those items from a quantity point of view. And you can imagine in the retail sales space, examples like, well, stocks last, you've only got 24 hours to do this, order before this date and you'll get free delivery. Those types of message framings uh, really fit into the scarcity behavioral space. Mm-hmm. Looking at exclusivity, we want to feel that we are VIPs. We want to feel like we're getting the best deal. Yeah. Um, and as consumers, even though behind the scenes, we know that this email has probably been, been sent to tens of thousands of people, we want to feel like we are the number one preferred cu- client or customer. Yeah. 
that and you're speaking directly to me. 100%. So exclusive VIP access or being the first to experience something or be, message framing where we refer to people being the most valued customers or giving you something before everyone else. Those types of framings really fit into this exclusivity feel where people just feel very acknowledged by a mm. brand. And interesting just to just to jump in there, we actually have a customer that that does this really well on around Black Friday where you can sign up to be a VIP customer and you can shop six hours before anybody else actually has the chance to to shop those deals. And that's is, so nudgy yeah, because even absolutely. if the person didn't intend maybe on purchasing something, they immediately feel almost compelled to because yeah. they're part of this first come uh, client base. Yeah. Amazing. Moving on to incentives, this this is a, a fairly obvious one, but where messages were framed with freebies or discounts or there's a voucher code waiting for you, that also helped to compel sort of more urgent action mm. when people felt, okay, there's, there's something in this for me more than just a purchase. Which brings us on to loss aversion. Now, loss aversion is such an interesting behavioral principle and effectively just says we feel the loss of something we own already double that to actually gaining something. So if you happen to be walking down the road and you dropped a 200 rand note out of your wallet, you would feel the pain of that loss more so than if you'd been walking down that very same road and picked up a 200 rand note. And that's essentially what loss aversion is. So how this played out in the retail email space were examples like reserving your favorites, uh, complimentary credits waiting for you, which were about to expire, or being able to redeem a voucher again with that scarcity mindset of within a certain time period. Mm. So people felt like things already belonged to them, these these freebies, these discounts, and they needed to claim them uh, in order to not lose them. So So that really did help encourage a lot more action. And then finally, convenience. We know this is one of the strongest pools when it, when it comes to the behavioral sciences, and that is things need to be easy. Mm. If there are friction points or barriers as part of a process to make a purchase, you're more than likely going to have that drop off. And, and we don't want that as brands and businesses. So this is reflected through using very convenient, easy based language. For example, immediately saying hassle-free returns, uh, you're not going to have any checkout queues, the payment is simple and secure, and, and even and highlighting that this is just such a convenient way of making this purchase brings to people's the, the tops of people's minds that there's really going to be no challenge or effort involved with this purchasing journey. Mm, and it makes complete sense. Like the minute there is complexity in trying to purchase something or even just trying to get information, you immediately disengage. Absolutely. And we know that consumers are going in with what we call objections already. How long is this going to take me? Is this going to cost me a lot of money? In the retail space, certainly with the rise of online purchases, how am I going to be able to return this if it's not to my liking once it arrives? Yes. So being able to handle those objections up front through your communication immediately then just relieves uh, the, the person reading the communication and they're able to say, okay, this was something I was concerned about. They've, they've explained it already. I'm good to go. Yeah, it's great. And what effect does timing have on retail email marketing success? We know that timing plays a critical role in all of the communications that we analyze. And what's quite interesting is that up to this point, uh, we've, we've really seen almost generic trends across the board. Uh, as, as, as a, an aside anecdote, I said to a friend of mine the other day, 
don't worry, you can send me an email at 8 a.m. on a Monday and I'll engage with it. Obviously, that's one of the biggest compliments you can ever give anyone because yep. Monday 8 a.m. is notoriously known as a terrible, terrible time to send an email communication. People are catching up over a weekend. They have Monday blues. So yeah. the last thing they want to do is read a brand communication. But jokes aside, what we saw through this retail uh, piece was really a little bit of a, a bucking of the trends there hmm. because the email engagement for for this batch of communications tended to be higher at the beginning of the week. Mm. We still saw that it was towards the end of the workday, so the 8 a.m. on a Monday definitely didn't didn't feature. But later on, towards the end of the workday, on both the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, happened to be the the highest levels of engagement mm. that we saw. Whereas the the traditional Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, uh, where we've seen seen certainly in the the financial space where we did our previous analyses, uh, those weren't as heavy hitting this time. So we we found that particularly noteworthy. And you would think it would be opposite. So that is a very interesting takeout. Sure. I mean, we we hypothesized about why this could possibly be the case. And potentially people are seeing retail emails as a little bit of escapism. Maybe you've come Mm. back into the office or or you've logged on on a Monday, even if it's from home. And as you're settling into the week, you're looking for those little delight moments and and certainly going through some type of brand email where people are trying to sell you exciting things and at discounted rates and offering you freebies and credits and all sorts of things. Maybe that is a little bit of entertainment for us. Yeah, for sure. And which specific language features help boost email engagements? So it's quite an open-ended question. I guess there's a lot of different things that we can look at in the space uh, linguistically to see you know, what works better potentially than, than other things. Uh, we, we always say paying attention to pronouns is quite important. Uh, making your audience feel that they are part of your brand's lived experience, that they're part of the journey. So referring, and, and we saw this in fact with the call to actions mm. where it said, buy myself a treat rather than click here to buy a treat. We, we saw that immediately there was a bit of a language difference and an engagement difference as a result. So instead of the, our price, our discount, our deal, our advice would be to attribute the benefits to the customer. And it's your discount, it's your deal. Yeah. And, and that really does make quite a bit of a difference from, from what we saw in an engagement space. And then just adding some of these power sales words to your brand dictionary. And this might sound very intuitive, but using words like benefits, discover, exclusive, free, the power of free is so important. Uh, we have this thing called reciprocity, where if we feel like a brand is giving us something, uh, we want to reciprocate in some way. It's a very very much part mm. of our human nature. Yeah. It's why when you walk into sort of like a grocery store and they give you the SPCA sticker, uh, you feel compelled to make a donation mm. because you've been given something, you need to give something back. Um, words like guarantee, new, proven, reveal, um, save, these these are all great words to add, as we said, to that sales dictionary. Mm, for sure. And you mentioned it a bit earlier, you chatted about visuals. Out of the report, what were some of the visuals that helped to drive engagement? So this one was also quite interesting. We've tended to see previously in other industries that there's a trend for certain types of visuals, for example, seeing eyes, uh, hands, um, Mm. to build trust, that sort of thing, especially in the sort of health and medical field. 
this was slightly different because, of course, the visual image is going to be of the brand. So mm. if the brand was selling soft drink, that was going to be what we saw coming through in the visuals. What we did notice, which was which was quite noteworthy, was the use of what we call these pop fonts. Mm. So a brand will have, you know, a normal Open Sans, Helvetica, Times New Roman, God forbid, Comic Sans. <laughs> Don't use that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they'll have a secondary font that then was being used across the banner images, just as, as I said, like this pop of just dazzle moment from a, from a font point of view. And we definitely saw that this played more of a role in the engagement of those particular banner images. Mm. And what's quite interesting in this pop font space is that these tended to be handwriting fonts. Mm. Now, if you can imagine that we are so used to seeing the sort of normal styled text that when we see something that's in a bit more of a handwriting font, there's almost an immediate connection or intimacy building mechanism that happens behind the scenes because handwriting is handwriting. There's a very personal touch to that. Um, and so particularly in the sales space where you are trying to like almost humanize your brand or humanize the product or service, that little pop of of handwriting font played quite a big role. Just for some interesting research in this handwriting space, uh, there was some interesting work done in the States looking at selling bread, actually. So the bread was packaged in identical ways. The only thing that had differed between the two packages was that they had handwritten in a handwriting font on one of the packets of breads. And they A-B tested in a grocery store environment to see, did this make any type of difference? And they saw a 30% increase in sales purely based on the fact that one of the bread packets had the handwriting font written with whatever the name of the bread was. And and when the, these participants were polled afterwards and, and there were focus groups to kind of just elicit why, the feedback was, well, it, it, it just felt a lot more homey mm. and almost organic and, yeah. uh, and home-baked because somebody had just used a handwriting font. And we're not even talking like physically written on it. It's a printed handwriting font. Yeah. But there's such a powerful pull there from a psychology point of view. And it's also quite unique, right? Because you, you know, most of them look the same. And then all of a sudden, this one's standing it out. It stands out. Yeah. That's it. Catches attention and then drives that engagement. Ah, oh, amazing. And what about animated GIFs? So GIFs were very significant in these retail maders. And there's many reasons for that. GIFs are becoming a lot more used across brands. Uh, visually, they're a lot more exciting. You open up an email and you see something dancing or moving and it immediately draws attention because it catches the eye. Yeah. And so you're more likely then, of course, to keep on engaging with that email. Uh, what we saw in this retail space as well is a lot of the times these brands are trying to showcase a product and it's so much easier to do that almost in like a video type format. If you think of some of the clients who were clothing fashion brands, they were able to show multiple images um, of of clothing and mm. they were able to show people doing, you know, different poses and different styles with it. And, and that really does play into the sort of multimedia world that email has now entered where we're able to engage with things as, as moving pictures rather than just static uh, content. And so, so gifts, I mean, the cautionary note there, of course, is don't overuse them. Yeah. Uh, where, where we saw more than two or three being used in an email that almost immediately lessened the engagement that we saw mm. coming through and the rationale 
rationale there is potentially that it becomes a little bit distracting. Yeah. And if you think that as consumers, as readers, we are being faced with so much information and so many decisions, we don't want a third or fourth gift to just suddenly just be too overwhelming for us that we say, hang on, this, this is giving me a bit of a headache. Mm. And then they disengage. But certainly using them in clever ways and, and not overusing them is the advice to brands. Yeah. I even think that's true for websites. Because sometimes when there's too much happening on there, you you just don't know. It's like, oh, no, I can't anymore. Okay, well, thanks so much for being here today. And I'm sure that retail marketers have found some really valuable nuggets from this podcast. If you want the full detailed reports, then visit www.evalytic.com and find it under our resources section and marketing guides. It's called The Language of Sales, Behavioral Linguistics in Retail. And it's free. And it's free. free. (laughs) Catch you next time. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.